Hello and welcome to the Futures Podcast. This is the Ability Programme Series. My name's Lucy. I'm one of the employability consultants with Birkbeck Futures. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by Vibav Adlaka. Vibav is an associate uh, solicitor at global law firm Reed Smith. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Vibav. Thank you very much, Lucy. It's great to be back in touch with you again. No, definitely. And um, yes, we, we worked out just before we were we started the recording that it's we've known each other since about 2014 when I was in graduate recruitment at Reed Smith. So it's it's really lovely to have you on board. Thank you ever so much. Um, I think, first of all, it'd be really interesting for the listeners to hear a little bit more about you and what your current role is at Reed Smith. Okay, so my name is Vaibhav Adlaka. I'm currently um, an associate at Reed Smith in the competition department, but I also work in financial regulation and do the knowledge management side for both the departments. Um, in terms of background, I was born and brought up in India and um, then moved to the Netherlands and now the UK. The reason these three places are extremely important in my journey because because they represent the three different mental standpoints of, of um, living with a disability and how things changed for me. Uh, firstly, being brought being born and brought up in India uh, with cerebral palsy because that's my disability, um, which which does not allow movement in arms and legs um, and forces me to use a wheelchair. Um, being in India, it was difficult to even think about being a lawyer or being any sort of, going into any sort of profession. It's, it's difficult to dream because you're just happy to have an education and you are not even certain when it's all going to stop. Uh, obviously, because you know, you, you're trying to educate yourself, but again, you're dependent on others, your family, your support system, and also your teachers who are really, who are having to go that extra mile uh, to ensure that you get in, you get the best, you become the best you can be and you get the best education. Um, and now the, from moving on from the special school, I moved to a normal environment, and we can discuss what normal actually means, but but um, it's more as to what society thinks as normal. So with an, I'm mixed with able-bodied uh, students and teachers and uh, dealt with the reservations there to the point that I even lost a year in my education because the school that was willing to take me said, um, uh, in the school, in the class for which I was applying said I wasn't ready for the environment, um, the normal environment. And it was only because of one teacher who said, I will have him in my class uh, is the reason I was given admission in, in that school. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, that teacher taught a lower class than what I was applying for. So those kind of challenges existed in, in India as a as an environment as a mental as a mental thought process that is he going to be ready uh, for the environment that he is trying trying to go in for do we need to do a lot of changes will the other students adapt 
will the other teachers be willing to do that? Um, I, the reason I raise these questions now is because these questions actually don't change when you go into employment, and we'll, we'll come on to that later. But um, as I said, it wasn't until um, I finished, I moved to the Netherlands, actually, that I um, started thinking, all right, I am guaranteed to get a good enough education at the American School of The Hague, where, where these kind of disabled reservations that people had on mental uh, thinking that people had that can cope, can he not cope, should we remove him? Um, those weren't already there. Um, so I had teachers who were willing to um, go the extra mile within the normal environment um, to make sure I had the best education, whether that's doing the international baccalaureate, even though I could not do science or um, or doing any other sort of subjects. So it wasn't until then I started dreaming, what what kind of education can I become? Can I go to university? Can I get a job? Those kind of thoughts came only at the beginning of maybe 2003 as I was, fin as I was finishing my school at the American School of The Hague. And what led you to a career in law specifically? Um, I'm one of those people who, um, whose extracurricular activity became his career path, um, shined a light on what kind of profession he wanted and what he was looking for in the profession. I did what is called, I did what is called the uh, model international court of justice as part of the model United Nations program. Um, I'm sure your students would have heard heard that because I'm sure a lot of universities have that as well. As well, mm -hmm. um, as part of that, I worked. I did what is within the Model International Court of Justice. I actually was an advocate for two two cases um, in which I experienced everything from doing opening statements, closing statements, interviewing witnesses, um, all of all of which are students gathering evidences, talking to embassy professionals, um, and um, cross-examining as well. So that experience of being an advocate and later on organizing uh, as president of the modern International Court of Justice, um, I realized that law is probably one of the professions that I wanted to explore, given that I liked working in a team I liked working on things from start to finish. I, I also um, liked, um, you know, all the aspects of um, doing what law had to offer, the variety it offered, the, um, that you're not learning the same thing every day. Um, and lastly, and probably more importantly, it, it kind of gave me an my first indication of a profession that I, I thought at the time would have the least impact on my disability, which is, again, cerebral palsy, um, because it's more of a mental analysis uh, aspect. And so if you use your brain, it has nothing to do with your legs. So that was my thinking, and that's what made me explore the legal profession and law as a study 
further. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's often one of the reasons why students go into law is they've had some exposure to something around law in particular and that teamwork, that always learning aspect as well. Um, and it's really interesting to hear you talking about assessing those careers in relation to actually how does that fit in with your disability think, as well. So that's key. That's one of the fundamental keys because you need to un- any profession you choose, you need to understand how it's going to work with your with your disability, and that's a learning process. Um, Absolutely. So, kind of thinking about your disability, how did you find navigating the recruitment process? In in two words, um, extremely difficult and challenging, um, but. Okay. Enriching at enriching at the same time. Uh, the, re- okay. the reason for being enriching, um, the reason for being challenging and difficult was because um, this was the first time I was dependent on others for success to mm-hmm. to give you that opportunity. Yes, I had teachers and um, education where teachers had to go the extra mile, but. Uh, you know, with education is if you if you study the automat the grades automatically come and you achieve your first or your two ones or um, so it's more down to you than uh, than the other people. Whereas when you're going into any profession, you're more dependent on how you know how other people would perceive you in the environment that they know best. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this was the first time I actually realized that my disability can be an issue. Uh, this was the first time I did, uh, uh, I, I, uh, I would say I came across a barrier I couldn't fly through. Um, so it was extremely challenging in that respect. And, uh, because what you're trying to do in any profession is trying to change people's thinking um Mm -hmm. a lot of the time what happens is people have done certain things a certain way or they think something um the profession has been in um done some things in in a certain way for 20 odd years and that's how it works but what you're trying to do is maybe look into the mindset of those people who who have probably hold your future in your hands and uh, in their hands and um, change their mental mindset and doubts which don't uh, don't often manifest itself in the most obvious way um, because you're not allowed to ask that question about why how are you going to how are you going to navigate through the profession as as they know it um, or or have, as they have done, um, how are you going to navigate that with the disability? Although you know they're thinking it. Um, so that's why I thought it was challenging. Enriching at the same time because I, I uh, experienced learning. Like I enjoyed the journey. I can say now that I enjoyed the journey. <laughs> I enjoyed the learning journey. I enjoyed trying to understand 
um, what my ambitions are, how how my ambitions will work within the environment I'm going for, um, how can I work within this environment with a disability, what kind of challenges am I going to face, how am I going to try to convince others um, that that I can still hack it in this profession. So I think I enjoyed the learning journey um, um, before more before reaching the final destination. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's really interesting to hear um, because I think absolutely so many professions are very much focused in on the way that they've always done things. So. I can completely understand there's that that barrier there of that unanswered question, as you were saying. Um, and thinking about some of those those barriers and those challenges, how how did you keep going? What kind of kept you motivated to achieve what you have? Um, I think in terms of any, in terms of motivation, I think it's one of the most challenging things to do. And keep yourself motivated and keep yourself that this is what you actually wanted um, because you start doubting yourself as to whether you, you fit within that profession. But I think in terms of motivation is um, if you enjoy, if you enjoy the learning experience, if you enjoy the experiences that you have along the way with this certain goal in mind that maybe um, maybe I can find a profession that works for me, whether that's law or not. Uh, and if you look at where can my skills actually fit and I can make a difference. So I think you can find motivation in that way because uh, if you find what you like within any role, then that keeps you, uh, that keeps you motivated um, to, to make, make that experience or that, Rule what you want it to be or what you want to get out from it. Yep, that makes sense. So if you were, I suppose, talking to our students or, or thinking back on your own experiences, what advice would you either give to your, your past self or students with a disability who are looking to start their careers? Um, in, enjoy the learning journey in, in, and also think about um, no experience is a bad one, so try to get as much experience as you can. Um, I learned commercial awareness, one of the key aspects that we often talk about, not by reading the FT, but by selling clothes for, for a year with my cousins so that I understood that we're in a service industry, we are, um, you know, what the customer needs. So enjoy every learning experience and also uh, try to learn from it. Secondly, what I would say is um, understand how your disability works with your profession because, um, because yes, I expect law firms to change and they should change, uh, but it's more of a, um, you know, it's a give and take process. It's a, it's a collaboration process between you and your firm. And because they often don't know what works in it with disabled people or 
their disabled environment. It's a trial and error process for them. Um, so you Absolutely. have to you have to understand. Yes, I have a disability, and yes, there is certain expectations that I have from a law firm. But at the same time, I need to know what how it works and what environment works for me, what doesn't, um, and uh, work with that firm to to find that perfect environment environment for for yourself. Um, I think that's those are my two key. Um, lessons for people with disabilities because I think only if you understand your disability will you start understanding your ability and the example I can give you is when I entered Reed Smith I wanted to be a transaction lawyer uh, but given given my disability and given how um, transactional law the fast-paced nature of it it didn't turn out to be exactly the best experience so um for me it might do for other people with a disability um but in terms of putting uh, putting my disability with the profession it actually didn't work but if you look at advisory law or if you look at knowledge management and an advisory uh group it actually works better if you're slower you know because they pay, they want you to get it right. They want you to take your time to get things right. So um, it's the point I make there is like things may not often go the way you want them to. But what I would say is um, keep yourself open and be flexible and keep learning from that experience um, because that 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 will help you find the perfect environment for you yep and I think that's that's really helpful advice because often when we're working with students and they're having conversations with employers for example about things like adjustments etc um, it's it's that understanding of of your disability and how how that impacts you and how that works within a particular particular job role for example so I think that's really really helpful advice um, a question that we do get quite a lot from students is around uh, disclosure um, or openness and whether or not to be open with an employer I mean what would your views be on that um, back when I first started I would say my first internship I got by not disclosing my disability um, because mm-hmm. that's what my career center advised me. And luckily for me, although they didn't have a lift, they had one room on the ground floor so everybody could get their work to the ground floor. Um, yeah. And it was only for a week or a maximum two weeks. But in terms of disclosure, I would say, um, I mean, it's important to find a firm that's ambitious, that matches your ambition and you you need to look at what um, what is my ambition and how can a firm get me there? It's it's a you know it's we you assess me I I'm also assessing you at the same time. It's a dual process as you well know. Um, mm-hmm. So yep. I would in terms of disclosure, um, I think it's important to be as open. Um, it's important to be extremely open with 
who you are. I think that's one of the reasons I I got Reitzman because that was probably the only firm, um, if I can say this, I didn't care about the outcome. I wanted to just be myself. Um, yep. So, yep. Um, so I think I was the most open and honest in my interview because um, I I knew what my ambitions were, and I was looking for a firm that matched that ambition because it's time it's time um, uh, firms change for their uh, the talent that they want to keep as opposed to only changing for their clients. So um, if a firm doesn't accept you because you're open about your disability, um, that's actually, that firm does not represent the environment you want to be in. So I, I would say be as open as you um, can and want to be um, without worrying about how will the firm perceive me? And I know that's harder than um, harder than it seems. Um, like it's 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 harder. And that, um, we can talk about our experiences about Reed Smith, Lucy, and I. But uh, but I think that's what I would advise. Yeah, and you know, I I think absolutely. I mean, being open is obviously a personal choice. But I do think that. If an organization doesn't want you because you have been open, like you said, you don't want to work there. That's just, you know, my yeah, personal and, view. And if you so remember, think, Lucy, the first time when when we had the talk of me, me having an assistant because I had my own. Mm-hmm. If you remember how, the reservations I had about how will, how will their firm see me? What will my colleagues think? I'm delegating all that, um, all the work that I should be doing as a traditional trainee. Um, to my assistant, yep. and uh, we had a chat about it, about it, and we came to the conclusion that that's what's required for me to do the best that I can do and be 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 an asset to the firm. So, the fact that you're open and honest about how how you can uh, be an asset to the firm or how open you want to be, both mentally and physically, um, is key. Yep. I think definitely if if, if you don't talk to an organisation about um, what the potential barriers are and what support you need, then you're not going to be on that level playing field. You're not going to be able to to do the best job that you possibly can and really enjoy that job. Um, so I think, yes, absolutely organizations have a huge responsibility on that but also you know it's thinking about how you as a potential employee or an employee can also help as part and that's of that true process even if you're going in even if you're already into in an organization as you progress yep. absolutely absolutely um what else was i going to ask uh so what are your personal ambitions and um, what are your what are your plans for the future where do you see yourself going uh, that's that's probably the hardest question to ask because i'm i'm someone <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> who believes in small goals having grown up in an environment where you were well aware that you could stop any time and you had uh, you know you could take things year by year uh, I still believe in that. I still believe that, um, mm-hmm. that you know, 
let's take it year by year. Let's see how I can go because some of the challenges that I explained is still um, are still something that I face. You know, how long can this last? Can I continue proving myself? Um, can I be in? Um, you know, how can I be an asset to the firm within the value system that they project? Um, you know, being an associate, being uh, having the expectations from clients or having the expectations from partners. And so um, I would say that my, if I was to pick an ambition, it would be to be known more for my legal work than the fact that I'm using a chair. Yep. So I'd say that's my ambition. And I can, yep. And I can, I can completely understand why that would be as well. And to be honest, having known you, um, I can absolutely see that happening. So I wish you all the very best in your career. Um, and thank you hugely for taking part in this podcast as well. I think it's been really useful to hear your experiences um, and talk about the challenges, but also the things that you've done to overcome that as well. Um, so thank you ever so much for joining me, Vibav. It's been really, really lovely. Thank you so to much. Today. If I just would say one last thing, um, which we probably didn't cover, <laughs> is that it's important to have organizations like employability or um, aspiring solicitors. It, it may sound like a plug for them, but it's it's like, it's really important because they're the ones who help you um, help you be a bridge between your firm and yourself and instill that confidence because the main barriers that firms always have is the mental awareness um, to, to, mm -hmm. to be able to uh, change maybe something that they're doing for 20 odd years. Um, because it may not be working with someone with a disability. I know my supervisors, some have been able to do it, some not. So um, I think the people with people like employability or people within your firm have, an have an, a very important role to play to ensure that, that the business has confidence in you and can structure the role that you want for your ambition and yet matches with the ambition of the business. So it's a give and take. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's a lot of what sort of being employed is about as well. There is always that give and take. And thank you for reminding me about employability and organizations like aspiring solicitors and my plus consulting, um, because they are all, fantastic in terms of the way they support students um, and as you said they're that kind of bridge between you and, and another organization they're the ones um, who help, can... you help the firms change if anything yeah absolutely absolutely because I think it's it is very difficult for you to do that often on an individual level and you have to be quite um, quite strong and quite confident to do that so absolutely if you need that support those types of organizations are great and for anybody listening if you want to talk about that more then you can absolutely get in touch with me and the team at employability at bbk.ac.uk so 
I'm going to think, I'm going to finish up there. That will end our podcast today. Um, but thank you again. Not a problem. It's, it genuinely has been a real pleasure. Um, thank you. And I hopefully once we are back in some sort of normality, we'll be able to get you in um, and talk to the students as well. So genuinely, thank you so Most much definitely. for your time. And if your students have any questions, they can always email me as well. Brilliant. I will pass that one on. So that ends our podcast for today. Um, but please do look out for more conversations that will be coming soon on a variety of different careers from a variety of different people. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much for listening.